go. Three, two. You're counting yourself down. <laughs> I'm just counting down so I know when to cut it. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Now I gotta redo it. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Moron. Now I gotta re. Now I gotta recount. So stressful. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the beautiful, amazing, nothing but nonsense podcast. I am your host this week, Andrew. I'm killing it, bringing us in, leading the leading the charge. <laughs> I don't know if it sounds like to you guys, but I feel like I sound very low energy, which is you do. not untrue. I did just wake up from a nap. <laughs> you sound like really tired. <laughs> yeah, dude. Naps I just, are the bomb. I hated them when I was a kid, but now I love them. I still hate if them. I go back, if I go back and yell at myself for all the things that I didn't like as a kid, it's like, just shut up. You're going to love this one day. Just enjoy <laughs> it. Just just, just, just enjoy it. You're going to love it one day. And it's, one day you're going to be so mad at yourself for ruining this for yourself. I took a nap is, in college once, and I, so I intentionally took one, I should say. And I woke up and I had like literally two minutes to go catch the bus I needed to take to go to class. So I basically woke up and immediately went into a dead sprint to the bus stop. And I literally felt like I was dreaming like the rest of the, like the rest of the day just didn't feel real to me. I felt like oh, I was in yeah. another dimension of existence. It was awful. I only Those took, I only worst. took like one more nap after that my entire college career. I I will say I did have my first. Speaking of just sleeping in general, I did have my first sort of podcast stress dream. Oh, no. I've heard of a lot of different podcast hosts. After they do a certain amount of podcasts, they have they have certain stress dreams about the podcast. And I've had my first one. It took you it five was, episodes. Yeah. For some reason, we were, we, were, we were recording in person. And it was my turn to record. And you guys were just shooting down like literally every topic I brought up. You guys were not in favor. You guys, it was like you guys were in cahoots together against me, of like we're gonna shut this down and we're gonna ruin this. It was like it was like you guys ever seen the movie Mean Girls? Oh yeah, no. Well, it's like you guys were mean girling, mean girlsing me. Like you're like we're gonna destroy this person and oh we're gonna make God. him feel so bad about us, and he's gonna have no self esteem, and we're gonna be so awesome. It's like you were, it's like you were stereotype bullying me. Of being about about the podcast, I was like, "What is happening right now?" And I woke up and I was like so angry about something that was not that didn't happen in real life. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna make like, that happen in real life now. Just, yeah. This whole podcast, every time you bring up something, I'm gonna be like, "Shut up, Andrew." That's a stupid <laughs> idea. My worst nightmare. My worst nightmare. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, you bring that up. Up. I... Trivia segment would be fun. No, I hate it. It's stupid. Get it out of here. It's over. <laughs> I actually. Just kind of remembered that I actually had a similar one. I oh, yeah. I, I started writing my dreams down again because I started having them again. I <laughs> I haven't had dreams in a while, so but when I had one, I'm like, oh shoot, that's interesting. And so it was very similar, and it was a podcast. We were recording in person, and we were in my house, and it was the three of us, and we had two of our mutual friends on as well that were 
Do you know who they were out of curiosity? I do, yeah. It was uh, Jenna and Sammy. Two people we know from church. That's such a random (laughs) group of people. It really was. Well, shout out to them. That was shout out Jenna and Sammy for being on the imaginary podcast. (laughs) What a what a a, for the stuff that we talk about. Like Jenna and Sammy are great, and they're really good friends, and we've known them for a very long time. And it wouldn't be surprised if we had if we had them on. But like, what for the stuff that we talk about? What a weird pairing. A little bit, yeah. It's like an unusual pairing to have <laughs> yeah. so, on the podcast together. Yeah, so we're sitting there, and so we're all, for some reason, so we're in my house, and in my house has a three-cushion couch. So the couch, three people were sitting on the couch part, and then two of us were sitting on the back of the couch. I think me and Dawson were on the back of the couch. Like and, upper decking it? You're yes, up, so upper, yes decking upper decking it. it. So, we're all, like... so we're all <laughs> facing the mic from the couch. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel like even in your dream, you'd end up in your little sweet spot on the couch that you always have. Or oh, I, I was in that same spot. Yeah. <laughs> like you've you've got a butt groove in that. I'm like that I'm spot. like a I'm like Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. I have a spot and I always sit in it. <laughs> but yeah, so we're, always... so we're sitting there and we're so. But this was what part of what I realized was a dream was a kind of like Andrew said, kind of an odd pairing, especially for like our first guest episode i guess it would have been but also everything kept going wrong so every time (laughs) and so i was hosting interestingly enough but every time i went to do went to start it was like oh i spilled my drink and i have to clean it up or oh the mic's muted i gotta get up and unmute the microphone or something and it's like oh mic was muted and then i'd sit back yeah exactly and then i'd sit back down or whatever and we'd be getting ready to start and for some reason we'd get completely derailed and I'd realize I forgot to hit the start button to begin with or something. Like, oh it was just goodness. things kept going wrong and we never actually started the podcast in my dream. <laughs> That's so just a complete odd. nightmare. It was I awful. can't believe both of you have now had podcast nightmares. I just I don't know if I really have nightmares. I just have dreams that like I wake up and I'm like, whoa, that was wild. Like I, I could write a movie based on my dreams, I feel like sometimes because they're they're insane. I've had a dream say... within a dream within a dream once, Inception. and I was just like, I like woke up and then I woke up again, and then I wouldn't I woke say up I have again. nightmares. <laughs> I wouldn't say I have nightmares per yeah. se, more just stress dreams. Yeah, it's like mild irritants. Because yeah. it's not like I'm scared. I'm That's scared what... <laughs> of too many thing, like too many things in in my adult life. I'm not like I'm scared of stuff, but nothing that like translate into my dream. It's more of like metaphysical, meta, metaphorical stuff of like, oh, oh yeah. I'm. I'm failing at my my life, or I'm not doing enough to. It's it's like the it's like the typical old, uh, adult dreams of like oh like, yeah. this this has a deeper meaning <laughs> of, what, of my life. That's what nightmares turn into when you go from kid to adult. Instead of becoming like you know the boogeyman chasing you down the hallway, it's your credit card chasing you down the hallway because <laughs> you can't pay it off. You know, <laughs> it's, instead of going to school. With no pants on, it's oh no, I forgot to pay my rent. And I'm two months late, and I'm gonna get evicted. <laughs> that's yeah. that's the nightmare. That is the new nightmare. Uh, yeah. Instead of <laughs> instead of trying to like figure out how to get out of like this haunted house, your house is actually just haunting you because you can't pay your bills to pay, pay for exactly. your house. <laughs> exactly, exactly. My dreams are boring. So... They, they, my dreams have always been super like based in reality. I've had so little. So few, I should say, like fantastical dreams, except for when I was like a literal <laughs> child. Like ever since then, all my dreams are just 
grounded in reality. So I'm jealous of hearing about some of these dreams that like you Dawson or other people have where they're just like so out there. It's like, oh yeah, I flew to the moon without a spaceship and survived or like just random stuff. And then I'm over here dreaming about like, oh, there was a centipede in my house and my dad killed it or something. Like it's just <laughs> super mundane things. <laughs> the way I always describe my dreams is that I always feel like it's, with my brain like wired as it is i'm a very creative person is that my dream everyone in my dream is an actor whether hmm. it's like their real personality or like people i know in real life but they're acting a certain way so they're acting oh, weird and they're going along along a specific storyline no matter okay. how convoluted <laughs> and outlandish this storyline is it's uh they're following this specific storyline of this specific event that's happening to to the to the logical or illogical conclusion of the story. That's the way my brain always interprets my dreams. Of, Spoken uh, like a like a true future director right there. <laughs> Funny enough, I'm not very good at directing. I'm not a very good director. I'm not very good at it. Okay, so to transfer... To transfer. To segue... Transfer kind of works. No, segue. Yeah. Segue. We, are, we have gotten away from using the word segue... And our from our our epic uh, what a conclusions or realizations about the CEO of Segway. Dean came in as the inventor. I looked it up because I'm sick of not yeah. knowing. The inventor of Segway, <laughs> Dean came in. We're gonna act like him, and we're gonna invent a a brand new standy uppy transportation device. Not to be standy uppy. We'll call it the standy uppy. Fell off a cliff. <laughs> and we're gonna segue out of this 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 surprise segment about dreams and sleeping into our, into our official segment for the show. But I wanted to bring up a topic that I, uh, about a character trope that I've been seeing a lot in used in media these days. And that is the evil, evil Superman trope. I know mm. you guys can see this a lot. It's like, uh, season three of the boys just wrapped up recently and they have Homelander who is their Superman equivalent. Who's just, a raging sociopath of, <laughs> of, of diabolical proportion who kills civilians and does terrible, awful, Yikes. super terrible things. Uh, uh, last year we had uh, the show Invincible with Omni-Man, where there is a man, man from stars come to serve the human race like Superman, but turned out to be a terrible uh, evil villain person. Uh, mm -hmm. And we see it even in um, uh, we see the trope taught up in the movie uh, *Brightburn*, where a kid yeah. falls from the star, but turns out to be insane and oh, yeah, is evil. That's the one that. I was thinking of. Yeah, and then we have even within the DC uh, EU yeah, itself, Black we suit have Superman. We have yeah, Black Suit Superman, but we also have uh, Injustice Superman from the uh, from the Injustice series of comics. And we were talking <laughs> about it a little bit before we recorded, but. Uh, Icarus from the Eternals movie. Stupid. He's basically oh, yeah. Superman equivalent. He's got his laser vision and his flying and his super strength, and he turned out to be evil. Which so, one thing I feel like people don't talk enough about is that movie mentions DC characters twice. Yeah. Like, huh. I don't know how they got away with that copyright wise. Like they mentioned Superman. I think they mentioned Batman was the other one. And I was just like, are we watching DC or are we watching Marvel? Man, shows how bad that like movie is. I don't even remember that. <laughs> I feel like that happens, and then all of a sudden, the lawyers walk up to Marvel headquarters, and Kevin Foggy walks out and 
takes a wad of wad of cash and chucks it at their face and be like, <laughs> just be just be quiet, just be just be quiet. We'll we'll just take just take the money and go. We'll just oh we'll just God. take the money and we'll be we'll be fine with that. But it's just I just find it very interesting that it seems more nowadays. I mean, obviously the boys comic ran the boys original comic, which the show is uh, loosely based on, ran from in the early two thousands. And then uh, I think along the same lines of Invincible ran in between the uh, years of like 2008 to like the early 2010s that ran for a while. And then the Injustice comic around the same time. But now they're all a lot coming to head with uh, the boys TV show, Invincible TV show. And then a lot of, uh, and it's just interesting to see how these, how this, this trope of the Superman is being twisted into a maniacal evil version when we've had this, uh, pure idyllic version of superman for so long what do you guys think what do you guys think about this do you think this is a uh a side effect of superhero uh what's the word superhero um come on guys what what's what's the word um like fatigue fatigue yeah. fatigue super you think this yeah. is a side effect of superhero fatigue or do you think this is just an interesting uh this is just the obvious way that people who are kind of anti-superhero go with this direction of the story. What do you guys think? I think it's kind of easy to go towards like, ah, what if we took this good thing and just made it evil? Like you see that a lot with like, I mean, you see it a lot in superheroes in particular. I mean, the joke about Marvel forever was that the villain was just the hero, but evil. Because you know Iron scale. Man, right? <laughs> it's the hero, but in grayscale. Exactly. <laughs> like you got you know Iron Man fighting uh, Obadiah Stane in another Iron Man suit. You got Hulk versus Abomination. Uh, you got Thor versus Loki, which isn't as one to one, but you know they're still kind of similar. Obviously, they're both yeah. Norse gods yeah. or whatever. So like, you, it's I think it's kind of a common thing. It is interesting that like you know so many specifically seemingly to be Superman, um, like anti Superman people that so many of them have appeared recently, kind of as you brought up. So it's interesting that so many people seem to be of the similar mindset that we just got to make Superman specifically evil almost yeah <clears throat> yeah i think you either die a hero or you live long enough to be see yourself become the villain you know <laughs> so you think it's I the natural oh it's did the... you not realize that was a quote i got that quote yeah oh, it's okay. from yeah. the dark knight yeah the dark so you knight, think this yeah. is the uh the natural uh evolution of the superhero like i think it's superman's natural... been around since the since the 19 <clears throat> i think 1930s 1940s and well, so it's done... just They've done evil Superman even in the comics yeah. and stuff too. I think it's just a natural progression. Like yeah. we saw it in the comics, now we're seeing it in the movies because, like, that's generally when people run out of ideas. They're like, "Well, what if the other? What if this person was just a bad guy, or what if this person was a good guy instead of a bad guy?" Like, once I guess people run out of new things, they just go back to old tropes. And I think yeah. this is kind of a case of that. Sometimes it's done well. Sometimes it's really not. Uh, I prefer, you know, just create a new character, a uh, new set of powers. Like, I mean, everyone knows the Superman set of powers, and I assume most of these characters have, like, that same general set of powers. Yeah. Maybe, mm-hmm. like, mix it up, make them a little bit different. I don't know. You know? Like, instead of just making them flip the script and be bad, uh, give them a different set, of, a different power set, but also express that like they are like on the same power set as superman but make it i don't know i because it it has been i think almost overdone at this point is is from what from what i i'm hearing and seeing um 
it just I think you can be a little bit more creative with it. Uh, so yeah. the most just kind of easy to on it. It's easy to default to the character being like, oh, you have you need a big bad character. So yeah. why not do the the person who can fly around? If I mean, if you can fly and you can fly like either hot, super high or into space at least, like you you're pretty much untouchable by most superheroes who can't fly. And so <laughs> and so uh, and then being super strong and almost invulnerable, I feel like that's a very easy. It seems like very easy traits to apply to your villain to be like, oh, well, obviously the heroes can't beat him in one punch. And yeah. or one movie or one season of a TV show because he's so invulnerable. If he can hear all, see all, and you basically can't touch him, then that seems like a very easy thing. You were going to say yeah. something there, Matthew? Yeah, I think kind of like I was going off of what Dawson was saying about how like a lot of them seem to kind of do the same general thing, I guess. And um, I think I just wanted to point out that to me, at least when I saw, you know, these different interpretations of the anti-Superman show up, I found Brightburn to be kind of the most intriguing. I don't know if it was because it was like, you basically, it basically was almost exactly like Superman, yeah. but, the kid exen- <laughs> but the kid ended up being evil instead, as opposed to like, you know, I haven't seen The Boys or Invincible or anything, but as opposed to like someone who shows up and is like already, like they're a grown adult and already evil, basically. You kind of yeah. see like, bright. you see, it's like, because Brightburn is basically the Superman story, but like, I don't know. There's just something wrong with the kid. Instead, <laughs> he turns evil. Yeah. Instead, yeah. I don't know. It was just a little, little uh, personal yeah. bit. I want. Yeah, to the boys. I feel that I, I understand what you're saying. It's like there's something different about the character. Like with the boys, with Homelander, it's more of the idea of like. I think it's interesting in the way they explore this in the show. I haven't read too many of the comics, but I've watched all of the show, and seeing that, um, it's more of exploring the character's psyche of being like. You are better than everybody. It's like Superman. Superman is basically, he's come to Earth. He was come to Earth as a child, raised a child. He's different, but he's pretending to be human. Mm-hmm. He's, pre- he's pretending to be human. He's pretending not to be this great grand character. But with someone like Homelander, who doesn't have a su- secret identity, he's just Homelander all the time, he knows that he's better. He knows that he can basically kill anybody anytime he wants. He chooses not to most of the time, but sometimes he does. But... Um, <laughs> It's just exploring the psyche of a character who's like knows he's better than everybody, and but is still bound to like the morality of humans and the more and the uh, the uh, the stuff that stops him from being doing the stuff that he exact he yeah. wants to do or people are telling him no. He's bound by the corporation Vought, who acts as a Disney Marvel equivalent of whether superheroes were in reality. It kind of takes that glimpse of like. Superheroes were in reality instead of Disney and Mar Disney DC, uh, Warner Brothers being these companies dealing with these fake entities. They're dealing with these real entities and marketing them in that way, but mm-hmm. they have a seedy underbelly of what they actually do. And instead of not these these perfect versions of this, I'm it sounds like you you were if, trying to say something, Dawson. Yeah, I'm curious if this actually uh, like this trope essentially stemmed, at least when it comes to Superman, stemmed from in the comics and stuff, uh, like, his father-in-law, uh, and, like, the DOD, and, like, all the, all these corporate, military organizations are always trying to find a way to stop Superman in case he ever turns bad, but (laughs) ultimately, they never have to, because Superman 
has a very sound set of morals. He's yeah. just kind of known as like the gent, uh, the epitome of like a gentle giant because he never truly snaps unless it comes down to like Lois Lane being hurt or killed or something. Uh, because most of the time he, when he's snapping, quote unquote, uh, it's because Kryptonite did something to him or he's mm-hmm. intoxicated with like a gas that like his enemy uh, used against him. And most of the time, it's not actually him be doing the bad things uh, <laughs> or like being extra aggressive or not pulling his punches. Uh, like in reality, like Superman's power set could theoretically like destroy the planet easily. Uh, so I think a lot of the, well, Superman as a bad guy trope has probably come from just people wanting to explore that untapped question from Superman's story itself. Like, you've got Zod, you've got all these, like, Kryptonian bad guys, but Superman ultimately, like, ends up beating them most of the time. But you've got, Mm -hmm. like, the Death of Superman comics and stuff, too. Like, despite being, like, this super all-powerful character, they've written in weaknesses and stuff like that. Uh, But I, I... I feel like, you know, them exploring more of the dark side of, uh, you know, a character like that going bad, uh, it probably stems from like the fail safes originally, like in the co- in the the comic books, uh, and you know DC not really taking advantage of that themselves. I feel like other other uh, comic book groups and like just industries within like TV shows and movies decided to take advantage of that and be like, hey, DC ain't doing this. Let's do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's interesting because you don't see that with, like, any other character either. You don't see that with... Oh, you see it occasionally with, like, other characters. But most of the time, it's pretty much Superman's the biggest one when it comes to this. Because you don't... Like, you see it with, like, Spider-Man a little bit, with, with like, Venom and, like, all these other Spider-Man characters. Uh that have like the same power set, but they're very unique in their story and their character themselves. They're not just like a verbatim evil copy of, of the character, uh, yeah. you know? So it's interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Very good points guys. Um, yeah. I just think, I think the biggest question I, one of the not biggest question, but one of the things to ask here is, do you think it's, it's overplayed. Do you think it's time to move on to a different thing? Do you think it's like, it's 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 played. It's done. It's over. People should just try, stop trying and like you said, Dawson, create a new character. Do you think it's overplayed, or do you think there's some there's still some interesting things we can gain from it? I mean, I think I having think that, a go ahead, Dawson. Oh, uh, um, well, I just I think with any piece of like creative. Uh, writing or fine art or type of thing uh there are certainly aspects that have been overused and overdone but if you can find a new way to approach them it can be even better and ultimately like potentially the best version of it uh it's just a matter of breaking through you know the trope of what everything is and uh the stereotypical way of adapting something and then just finding a new, a new way to do it. Um, and, and that's how a lot of movies 
I guess, <laughs> that are super popular kind of came to fruition. They were just, they were using a simple, like Marvel, they used uh, a formula that had already been used, you know, with like yeah. some of the older comic book movies. Uh, and now it's known as the Marvel formula just because they, they did a little bit of a different thing with it. They did a little bit of a different spin uh, with Iron Man in those first few. Uh, they just yeah. they adapted and tweaked a couple things here and there. Uh, they read a, wrote a character that really meshed with the audience that it was geared towards, uh, and it worked because of it. Um, and now we're seeing the opposite end of that, where uh, a lot of people are getting frustrated with Marvel because they feel like everything is just copy and paste to a new character. Uh, I think you know you just got to give got to give characters like a unique personality, make them relatable, uh, and you know just make them more human, even if they're a Superman-like character. That that's what makes Superman so intriguing and relatable. Is you know he's this all-powerful superhuman and he was raised on a farm in kansas you know like yeah. that that's the intriguing side of superman is his human human side uh and i think you know if they were to add maybe a, a kind of a human side to some of these uh, villain versions of superman like that is super intriguing and appealing and a little bit different than what they've already done they might you know hit the jackpot that's not to say any of these adaptations are super like bad adaptations of a, an evil superman because i i can't really judge it uh because i haven't really seen them all but like i think you know if they were to separate themselves from the pack by just doing something a little bit unique and a little bit different i th i think you can certainly do it so i don't think you can write you know this trope out officially i don't think you can do that with any trope i think with anything you can find new ground um yeah. you just got to think a little bit outside of the box so so it's all about doing something new and different yeah that's yeah. that's how to, that's how you freshen up the trope that yeah that has been has been a little bit played out. It's you have to do different things. You have to do things. You have to yeah. expand, broaden your horizons. You just change the parameters that you know everyone else has been using. You change yeah. one of the three steps, or you change uh, one key part of the character, other than just flipping the script and making them bad. You know. Yeah, uh -huh. like the you know, especially I mean, in any movie, really, not just superhero movies, having a you know, a powerful villain where you wonder, oh, how are they going to defeat him? Like, that's big. And obviously taking someone like Superman, who's seen as kind of like all powerful and just flipping him and turning him evil is like one of the easier ways to do that. But like, you know, there's other examples even outside of like superhero movies, like, you know, the Jason Bourne series, some of those dudes that were after him in those movies, you're watching the movie, you're like, what the crap? How is he going to kill this guy? <laughs> Like, you yeah. know, spin, sends, him into a t sends him into a spin, crashes him into a wall. They just get out and calmly walk over to another car and chase after him again. It's like, what? Like, you know, there's more, there's, there's way more creative ways to go about making an imposing villain besides just making him evil Superman. And I think, and I don't think this is going to completely go away, kind of like you said. Like, there's obviously going to always be kind of those evil Superman types, but there's definitely a lot yeah. of other ways to go around it. Yeah, personally, I've also I've always loved the more intellectual villain myself. Like, I don't need a strong, brooding, unstoppable villain. 
I, I want someone who's going to, like, outthink the protagonist and make them have to, like, uh, make the protagonist, like, have to think creatively to, you know, get out of the situation that they've been trapped in because of, like, this master plan that the villain has set. I, I find those just so much more intriguing to watch. Like, I love action sequences, but when action sequences are paired with, like, higher stakes and... Uh, wits versus you know like intellect and and everything going back and forth and like kind of being a tug of war yeah. more than just like a power battle mm -hmm. uh that that's way more intriguing to me um yeah. personally yeah. and like you see that with um the unbreakable uh movies with uh bruce willis and uh samuel L. jackson uh his villain mr glass is just this intellectual guy who's, you know, he, he's outsmarting Bruce Willis's character, who is, you know, like his opposite, essentially, like Mr. Glass is completely breakable. And then you've got Bruce Willis's character who's unbreakable. Yeah. Uh, and like just the duality of like, all right, well, I can't beat this guy with my muscles because like I, I would break, I'd snap in half. So I have to outthink him. I have to find a way to beat him, you know, out outside of my physical body, you know, uh, and I love that movie because of it. I, uh, other movies, like a lot of Spider-Man villains, they're not super powerful villains. They're more, you know, just intellectual people. Like uh, the Green Goblin's always been more of an intellectual, and like uh, we see it in like Mysterio and stuff like that, where it's just the protagonist has to find a way to overcome it not with their strength but with their mind and yeah. use their strength kind of in a way to do that as well like yeah. uh i know the second spider-man movie uh that disney has kind of helped with isn't necessarily everyone's favorite but i love the final sequence when uh when spider-man has to use his spider sense or peter tingle as they call it uh to you know essentially shut all the noise down because Mysterio's just had his number the whole time and he hasn't uh, and Peter hasn't been able to rely on his own power set and his own intellect and his own creative solutions until that point and that that was the turning point so I, I just enjoyed those movies a ton which is why I'm also kind of bummed they haven't done a movie with the Hulk and uh the thinker I think that would be a great movie uh for those that don't know what that is uh the thinker is just or no it's the leader sorry i always leader. i was gonna swap, say i've never swap heard of that. the thinker it's the, <laughs> the thinker is from d the thing i think yeah, the, thinker the thinker is from dc yeah oh. the thinker is another character but the leader um he's just got this massive intellect because it's from gamma radiation which i think is kind of hilarious but his brain's just huge um but you know he's he's got to outthink this brute that's the Hulk and the Hulk a lot of times will have to like rely on Bruce Banner, you know, his, his other aspect that he likes to forget about, you know, when he is in the Hulk, uh, you know, I, I think when heroes have to tap into like more of themselves and kind of come to like more of a, a character arc because of the villain challenging them and pushing them. I think that's so intriguing. And I think when, the villain is just super powerful and unstoppable. It's just like, well, 
I've got to train or get this weapon, and then I will be able to beat them. Like, it doesn't push the hero in more of a a growth type of way. It just pushes them in a physical way. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Yeah, and I very much uh, agree with what you're saying there. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating the way that these these different characters can can change up and yeah, they, yeah. I love a good punch up, but I also love a good story. Yeah, you got some good story and then some good punching. You got a great flick right there. <laughs> exactly. I'll take story and... over action any day. Yes. Yeah. With if it's all action and there's no story, it's not it's not that great. But if yeah. it's all story and there's no action, you can still have a good movie. So. So, speaking of story versus action, we're gonna take a little bit of a look at Marvel Phase Four. So, mm. Comic Con is this coming weekend. Uh, I think mm. Thursday through Sunday. This com- this weekend is Comic Con, and. Our illustrious leader, Kevin Feige, our Lord and Savior, Kevin Feige, has come down and said that he will be explain- He will be telling us what the direction for Marvel Phase 4. And he even said something where, the, where we're going to end up and what our, where we're headed for the future of Marvel at this point. And what he said something is very interesting to me is he said, since Phase 4 is coming to a close... So hmm. I'm going to take a quick second. I'm going to read off all the projects that have been released for Phase 4 Marvel thus far. So I'm yeah, going to go and read that out. And then, we're, then we'll dive in and then we'll take, a, we'll take a look at how we feel about Phase 4 so far, what we think about it coming to close, and maybe a few predictions we have about going forward about what we think. So uh, in the film category for what, have, what has been released so far, we have Black Widow. We have Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. We have Eternals. We have Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and recently released Thor Love and Thunder. So those are all the films that have been released. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more on shows the t- is my guess. <laughs> and then the TV shows, we have WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, and Miss Marvel, which recently wrapped up. We do have uh, She-Hulk, which is coming out next month, but... Like I said, these are only we're going to talk about the release stuff so far. Um, so, what do we think about? Let's just go start with some generalizations. What do we think about Phase Four so far? Either um, you guys want to start or I'll start. What do you guys I think? would say it has been a bit up and down, and that's a relative term because obviously yeah. it's been widely successful because it's Marvel. But I mean, in my own, in terms of my own personal tastes and preferences, like you know, I loved. Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Spider-Man. Haven't seen Thor Love and Thunder yet. I thought Eternals was awful. Um, And I thought Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness was okay. I didn't love it. And then the TV shows, you know, WandaVision was very interesting, I would say. I don't know if I necessarily loved it, but it was very... I had to at least appreciate how well put together it was. And then... We talked about the TV shows on a previous episode, I believe, so I won't go into too much detail about how I felt about those. But um, I, but the shows in general, I've been kind of up and down on as well. More up, I would say, than down. Um, there were just moments, isolated moments of certain ones that I didn't particularly like or whatever. So, like in terms of the, you know, the, and to me at least, like the almost can't miss that kind of energy that they had in the first three phases where it seemed like everything they did kind of worked 
it, it's been a little bit of coming back down to earth to me. Not that it's been bad. There's just been more hiccups, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Dawson, what do you think? Uh, you did forget one film, and that's Morbius in the Multiverse of Morbin Time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mor- Mor- Morbius, <laughs> Morbius, the epic, epic uh, addition to the... Uh, Who could forget? To the, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the... the, the Smash that's it like, that made eighty yeah. more billion eighty more billion dollars. And that's not more billion, that's more billion. M O R Did that make billion. eighty million? I don't know how I'm gonna look it I up. I am curious. Quick. I'm looking it up right now. More is box. It made one hundred and sixty three point nine million dollars. On okay. a seventy-five on a seventy-five million dollar budget. That's so interesting. It, so technically, it, it did make money. It just made because I think because you want to double the budget of a movie uh, for like marketing expenses yeah. and stuff. Well, um, they barely so, made it then. <laughs> so they barely they squeaked one out. Um, which I will say this is a kind of on topic, a little bit off topic because it also relates to what something we talked about last week. Morbius made. More money than Shawshank Redemption. Um, is, that, is, is that adjusted for inflation? Uh, I don't think that. It, I mean, Shawshank didn't make that much. Um, yeah, I just found that out a, today. It was a bit uh, of a sleeper. It was a bit of a sleeper hit. Yeah, it wasn't. So it came out around Christmas time. Actually, no, I think it came out on Christmas. So it only made seventy three point three million dollars. Um, Such a and, fantastic film. Yeah, and a lot of people love it. Uh, it's said to be in the top five films for films that make a grown man cry. Um, oh, yeah. Like, uh, but I think a lot of its traction came, like, years after its release. Like, people started to hear about it more and then watch it more and enjoy it more. And then it's become, like, a cult classic now. Uh, I So, kind of going back to that thing from last week where somehow Forrest Gump won over it, I think that's why is that it came out like 6 days before the end of the year so no and no one really knew about it <laughs> i think that is probably the only reason why cuz i think if it would have had a better release and probably better marketing it definitely would have won like over forrest gump for the oscar for best picture but i just found that very interesting i stumbled upon that uh today cuz i was hmm. talking to my uncle about it cuz he was saying that uh, it's his favorite film of all time. Morbius? And it's an amazing... No. Not Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, uh, that's my brother's favorite film of all time. Just kidding. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just I found it really interesting. Um, so I'm, I am curious if, that, if Morbius has made more than Shawshank with inflation. <laughs> that would I'm be, trying to figure that that would be right sad. Now. Well, I but, mean, um, if you attach a Marvel tag to something, it's probably going to get a lot of attention just for that. If Marvel oh, yeah, anything superhero have... involved nowadays will make a decent yeah, amount. Yeah, if, if it it's didn't not have the Marvel label on it, I question but, if it would have made money. And for those who don't really know the MCU that well, it is not within the MCU. It's within like Sony's little side projects of Spider-Man villains that they're trying to turn into heroes, uh, <laughs> which. I think Morbius can kind of go both ways because he does in the comic books, but they're just trying to milk every penny they can. Um, but I think I heard it best reality, described. I heard it best it, described as the Sony Pictures 
Cinematic Universe, the Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel villain, Marvel movies or Marvel villains. Yeah, I and think it's, that's it's what because, it like, they're, they really only own Spider-Man and his villains and stuff, but in reality, the only two characters within the Spider-Man set of villains and, uh, like, characters in general worth making a movie on their own is Miles Morales and Peter Parker. Hmm. And, you know, those are easily the two biggest properties that they have. And they've made, they've made movies with both of those characters. You got Spider-Verse with, uh, Miles Morales and obviously all the Spider-Man movies feature Peter Parker, but outside of that, like just leave them as villains in those movies. And Mm -hmm. you're going (laughs) to, they're going to save themselves money in the end because no one's, like, yeah, people saw Venom, but it's... I think a lot of people were also hoping that Spider-Man would be in it. Like, and <laughs> I think people were also yeah. just ready to see a version of Venom that looked like Venom and not the Spider-Man 3 version of the character. So, yeah. but anyways, uh, and my thoughts on uh, Phase 4. I, I to think... interrupt you real quick before we get oh, away from it yeah, too quickly. You've probably found the inflation thing. Adjusted for inflation, this is a rough <laughs> estimate. Don't trust the numbers too much on this. $130.67 million. <laughs> so huh. you are right. It is It is less. Yeah. It's wow. much less. That's crazy. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah, but my thoughts on uh, Phase 4, I think... So I think uh, a lot of people don't really care for it because it's... A lot of people are tired of Marvel right now. But I think what Marvel's kind of done is taken a step, like, back, uh, so to say, yeah. because the the events in movies leading up to the last two Avengers movies were like, everything is big, everything is full of consequence, and now we're getting, you know, the smaller solo movies again, and it's, it like, None of these aren't meant to make a billion dollars every time. Like the first movies in phase one made 400 million, 600 million, 800 million. Like if Thor Love and Thunder cracks a billion, like that's a big, that would be a big movie uh, for Marvel within, you know, not even just like phase one through three, but just in, in general. Uh, but everyone's like, oh, the. They're just making a billion dollars and everything. Not everything that they make has to make that much. And, you know, I think that's been the expectation a lot. So everyone's like, oh, well, Marvel movie's out, so everyone's going to see it. And that's how they get all this money lately, you know? It's just everyone feels like they have to see every single Marvel movie because everything ties together. Um, I feel like the last few Marvel movies I've seen don't tie together at all. Like, and... Like, I feel like the bigger movies, like the Avengers Avengers movies, they always tied together. And then, like, the movie, a couple movies before them would have, like, after credit scenes that kind of tied something into it. But it didn't... You could watch the Avengers movies on their own and be fine. And I know a lot of people hate that you have to watch everything within Marvel. But I, I don't know if you do. I The only reason I do is because I enjoy it. Right, um, exactly. And I'm not gonna go back and like rewatch Eternals because I didn't enjoy it. Nope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, but I will go back probably and watch like Shang Shang Chi again because I did enjoy that. Love the music. Love 
the action, loved the story. Um, I think it's a great addition to the bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people are bummed that their favorite characters are gone, but I'm liking seeing like new characters and different takes on older characters. Like, I in, I'm enjoying seeing you know Thor grow into something else. Um, yeah, and I mean, what, what other multiverse of madness? I think it was. I think it was a creative entry. A lot of people were like, oh, Marvel movies are the same. What did Marvel do? They made a Marvel movie that's really different. <laughs> so it's going to it's gonna be a little bit odd when you're leaving the theater and you're like, I don't know if I like that, you know? Uh, yeah. there, were, there were different... There's a different vibe and energy, you know, in that movie than Black Widow. Um, it was like... Doctor Strange was very dark at points. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. I think that also is setting, you know, the the road ahead for like characters like Deadpool, um, you know, where things might be a little darker or messed up, and <laughs> you know, uh, if they start releasing, you know, movies within the MCU that are rated R or like you know not as family friendly, I don't know if I'll see them. I don't know if I'll see them, you know, right. and. I think they're kind of getting ready for, you know, that phase of Marvel's development is that not everyone's going to watch everything. So let's make every movie watchable on its own or continue the story that was already set up like for Thor, you know, one through three, Thor four kind of follows a little bit of that thread line. So I think it's just different. Um, and it kind of just goes back to the first couple phases of the MCU where it was it was Iron Man 1, 2, and 3. It wasn't Iron Man is in Captain America's movie. Uh, that didn't happen until Civil War when everything started to ramp up, you know? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I'm okay with lack of crossovers and just... A little bit. I, I I'm okay if they even go smaller smaller, you know, stories for the heroes. Like it doesn't need to be a world ending event every time. I mean, yeah. Thor, <laughs> that makes sense because Thor is you know a Norse god. You know, like he's he deals with a lot of galactic events. He's he does a lot of like very big moments, but like with the Black Widow movie, it didn't have to be big. I wish it would have been released earlier in the timeline for them. Like, oh yeah. Uh, it would have really made good. way more sense if it came right out out right after Civil War. Yeah, but definitely. I enjoyed the kind of smaller storyline where it didn't, where you know now everyone's just like, well, why wasn't Captain Marvel called in? Why wasn't the Hulk called in? Why wasn't Thor called in? It's like, oh, well, they don't need to be called in for everything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah. and and like, yeah, I've I've enjoyed. I I loved uh, Spider Man No Way Home. It's, I, it's one of my f- favorite movies in the past, you know, so many years. I, I really enjoyed it. I watched it four times in theaters. But, you know, I, kn- I know that's not everyone's perspective. And that's okay. <laughs> you know, I I enjoy, you know, Marvel for, for what it is and what it's trying to be right now. Um, and yeah. I think the future is... I'm pretty optimistic for it. Uh, yeah. I don't need necessarily Avengers movies. If they give me Fantastic Four and X Men, I will be more than happy. <laughs> so, will yeah, they very... finally make a good Fantastic Four movie? We'll have to see. I everyone's I crossing did, their fingers. I did enjoy 
the Silver Surfer, I will say. I I think that was moderately enjoyable. Um, uh, um not the uh, a little bit of a callback here. Phase 1 of the Marvel Universe made of 3.813 billion dollars. Wow. Yeah, that's almost Collect- what Endgame made alone. <laughs> that's collectively what I think it's a little bit more because I think Endgame made two billion dollars. Uh, I thought on. they got up almost to three. Two point seven nine eight billion. Yeah. <laughs> so close, but yeah, yeah. Collectively, collectively, the um, phase one of the Marvel universe made that much money. So, um, yeah, yeah. I very much, I was, I'm very much in in your kind of part, Dawson, talking about how, uh, um. How it's it's very interesting to tell more singular stories than overarching stories because it really does feel like we're back to we're back to phase one with this mm-hmm. with this this time around we're back to we're back to this uh to this idea of like we're building upon an idea of and I feel like there is a bit of a a thing we're playing a bit of a bit that they're playing on that we can talk about uh we can talk about later but yeah. uh. There is a bit of a story thread that they can pull to be like, this is what we're doing. But um, but yeah, I've I've very much enjoyed. I've enjoyed a lot of the TV shows. I think I've enjoyed more of the TV shows than I have of the movies because it's I new characters, and I yeah, think exactly. they've been afraid to give them movies, so they've been giving them the TV to the TV shows. Like, all right, let's see how the fans like them, and then we'll give them a movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Black Widow, I really enjoyed. Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, I really, enjoy, I really, really enjoyed. Internals, like we said, terrible movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home, fantastic. Everything all the fans wanted was great. Uh, Doctor Strange, I really enjoyed Doctor Strange. I thought it was good. I very much enjoyed Doctor Strange as a whole. It's my favorite. Doctor Strange, the first Doctor Strange is my favorite Marvel movie. Or my second favorite Marvel. It's, the only, it's one of two Marvel movies. Or I own all the Avengers movies. And then I own... Uh, Captain America: Civil, uh, not Captain America: The Winter Soldier. That's my favorite movie, and then uh, the first Doctor Strange. Those are my favorite Marvel movies because those are the ones I own. So, um, so I very much enjoyed uh, Doctor Strange, Thor: Love and Thunder. I'm I enjoyed it at the time, but I've kind of cooled on it. Don't not that I hate it, but I wish they would have done a lot more with the story. But uh, but yeah, a lot of the TV shows I have enjoyed, and I've been very interested to see. Where they are taking these shows, and I think I think the TV shows are a bit of an interesting break because yeah. they don't have to take yeah. a huge risk on these movies, like and you don't have to watch them. Yeah, either. yeah. You have Hawkeye. You have shows like Hawkeye and Loki and Miss Marvel and even Moon Knight. <clears throat> like those are shows that uh, they're they're small they time ne- heroes. They probably yeah. never would have gotten made as a movie if without Disney Plus. They probably would have never gotten made as a property without Disney plus like those are interesting stories that they're exploring that they don't necessarily necessarily need to do this overarching massive plot. Like each of these shows, except for maybe moon Knight, have had very low stakes stories. have had very low, uh, even WandaVision. She took over an entire town, but that's different. <laughs> it's like, it's just basically affecting that town. She wasn't threatening to take over the entire world. It's different yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wait till Doctor Strange three. <laughs> exactly. But um, but She Hulk, She Hulk is a is a character that definitely I could I could guarantee I could say 
Never would have gotten a movie. Never. Oh, never. No. Never. And Not I don't chance. know if she can because of Universal. I think uh, the deal was like, I don't know, because they can't do a solo Hulk movie. They can have him in all the other movies, though. Um, and that is because of the weird contract that they that uh, Marvel has with Universal. So I think she's kind of lumped in with that, too. So. I think they hold the rights to the Incredible Hulk, but not the She Hulk. Because well, if they if they did hold the rights to hold the rights to She Hulk, I don't think they would have been able to make this at all without buying Universal. Well, because like I think with TV, it's a little, it's just a little bit different. Because, um, like for example, they're doing like a Spider-Man Freshman Year uh, series, mm-hmm. um, and I, I they're able to use the Hulk in the TV series for She Hulk. I I think. She's because like with Sony owning uh, Spider-Man, they own like all his villains, all his side characters, too. I think that's kind of what happened with the Hulk. They own like Thaddeus Ross. uh, They own She-Hulk. They own uh, the leader. uh, Yeah. Abomination. Ross. He's the uh, he's Thunderbolt Ross. He's like the um, the general that is. General Always chasing Ross. after. Oh, uh, General Bruce Banner Ross. Hall. Okay, yeah. yeah. I didn't. I had he, no idea his first name was Thaddeus. That was he be, turns into the Red case. Hulk eventually in the comics, but okay, I don't yeah. think they'll ever do that now because uh, the actor for him did pass away, unfortunately. Uh, that's know. a shame. Re- rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. I recently saw an article or heard about an article where it was talking about him coming back to renew his role in a uh, potential Thunderbolts show. It's like, no, he he's can't. not going to do that. He's dead. Oof. <laughs> it's like, are you guys idiots? It's the same thing with, uh, which I didn't know was a controversy, was people talking about Chris Evans coming back for Captain America 4. And then Chris Evans had to tweet out saying Sam Wilson is Captain America. I was like, I thought that was pretty obvious. Yeah, right. I didn't I, realize that was a point of contention yeah. with anybody. I, I thought, don't think it could have been more evident. <laughs> They I'm had curious. a whole TV show about him becoming Captain America, where at the end of the show, he put on the Captain America costume and used the shield and was Captain America. Right. It's like, what do you mean? Of course <laughs> he's Captain America. This is ridiculous. And I'm curious how I'm curious how that's going to go with Black Panther 2 as well. So I, I'm strongly in the camp of Black Panther being recast. I'm And his family said that's okay, too. So I... I I'm curious if they did recast him or if it's just going to end up being Shiri or if it's going to be, you know, like Michael B. Jordan. That's like the least likely thing. But Dude, if they could bring know. Michael B. Jordan back and let him be Black Panther, I would I yeah. would go see that movie a million times. I but loved him in that movie so much. They, I think they just be... released a teaser for that, too, I found out from I... Matt. <laughs> yeah, I actually was the first to watch a trailer between me and Dawson. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Trailer for what? Black Panther 2. Black Panther 2. Have you not seen it? There's a trailer for Black Panther Oh my gosh! I'm the first! I'm the first of the three of us to watch a trailer! This never happens! <laughs> I can't believe that. Well, uh, it does kind of leak who the villain is supposed to be. Yes. Um, and I will give you one... It is Dr. Doom. I will give you one hint... Uh, Doom is what I was going to say but well, that's cool I like Doom I like Doom as a character and Doom is a lot more than a just a 
a uh, what do Fantastic you call it? Fantastic Four villain. Fantastic Four villain. <laughs> he's just he's the biggest villain in the comic books most of the time. Like he's up there with Ultron, and I, I he's bigger than Thanos in the comics. Like <laughs> so, yeah. It I but no one ever does his suit right, and I don't know if I like the suit that I saw in the teaser. So I'm hoping it's better than what I saw. So I'm interested because I think. If correct me if I'm wrong, because I know very little about legality issues and stuff, but I think this will be the first Fantastic Four movie that'll be like you know MCU connected and kind of run oh, by absolutely. Marvel. All the others have been independently done by they were Fox, Fox or whoever. It is Fox. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So it'll. So I think I I'm holding out hope that when they do finally bring the Fantastic Four back, they'll finally actually do it right. Because not even Michael B. Jordan could save the last one they tried to do. Oh, yeah, I forgot he was in that. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was the Human Torch. Yeah. Yeah. No, the last one they... The last one Fox absolutely made just because they were about to lose the contract, so they just... <laughs> I feel like, like that's the only reason they a movie them. together. And that's That was, like, the only reason they were making those movies for years was just, well, we got to get something out there so we don't lose the contract. But mm-hmm. ultimately, they, you know, went out of business and were bought by Disney. Uh, <laughs> so it didn't matter in the long run. <laughs> yeah. Disney couldn't... Disney couldn't buy the characters, they just had to buy Fox entirely. <laughs> I would love it this if they actually killed fake. Doom. If they killed it with Doom this time, right? Not killed Doom literally. That's what I, if they killed it I with know, him and actually nailed him and nailed his that's character. That's what I was trying to figure out too, Andrew, is I, I felt really like the fake. Doom I felt like the Doctor Doom in that trailer was I actually think this is from fake. the two thousand fourteen fa- yeah, Fantastic Four because it looked horrible. Guys, it didn't look fake. good. That's this is fake. This is fake. I thought it was I weird to, that they, I, I that thought guy. I thought it was weird that they put a clip no. from the first movie into it. No, this is incredibly fake. Okay. Yes, this is totally fake. I still saw it first. I... <laughs> <laughs> he saw it first, and that's why it was fake. <laughs> yeah, screen right. culture is a screen culture is usually known for. Yeah, that's that's why I thought it was possibly legit and just no. kind of a teaser because it's screen culture. Yeah, um, this is this is incredibly fake. That's a shame because I was actually kind of interested to see what they would do with Doom if he was in that movie. Yeah, because they think... also posted a first look at Deadpool and Ironheart. And I feel I like these. Do think... I definitely would have. I definitely would have seen these if these uh, were real. Doctor and... Doom is leaked to be the villain, though. Okay, that, that oh. is a thing. Okay. Yeah, and I but, think that's um, why that trailer was made. Yeah, but it also is. This is incredibly fake because. <laughs> There's also there's a ton of clips from the original from the 2014 fan fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, okay. yeah, yeah, I kind of watched that like, like you know, in the middle of doing other things. So I'm yeah. glad that you looked at that because, yeah, I'm sorry I mean, to sorry to revoke culture, your screen culture was just what made me think. Oh yeah, this this is probably yeah. legit. It also yeah, only has I like was... 3.2 million views. So. Oh my god! I was also super surprised because I didn't see anything from that's... Uh, from Marvel. <laughs> I didn't see any Marvel. Uh... Yeah, that's oh, what. Yeah, that's right. You actually followed. When them Matt on told me media. about that, I was like, I haven't seen anything about this. What are you talking about? Yeah, I wish I could remember I how I found it because I don't. I just remember seeing yeah. it. Yeah, I feel yeah. Just talking about something we had touched. I feel like it'd be ridiculous. Not ridiculous. I don't want to seem. Uh, insensitive but i just feel like it would be kind of ridiculous to uh not recast him because i feel like even 
I don't want to speak for anybody, but I feel like even Chadwick Boseman would admit that the character is not tied to one actor. And I feel like it'd be incredibly distasteful to kill off your character in in the sh- in the movie I just because I don't think they'll kill him off though either. I don't because they said they wouldn't do that, but they wouldn't. Yeah, recast, I feel like they should so just, I don't know what they're doing. I think they should just. <laughs> it, it would just make sense to recast at this point. Just, just to send them send them to the moon, like yeah. Captain America. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But um, we kind of got off track here. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. So, what do you guys think about the future of Phase Four? I believe we're headed for a multiversal event. I think we're headed for Secret Wars. I think oh, we're headed absolutely. for that. Absolutely. With the inclusion of uh, these, what do you they call actually, it? Incursions they... that they talk about in Doctor Strange, and how that like those incursions can destroy the universe. That they're that they each person comes from, and you go into another universe, it destroys that universe, and that's a thing that came into play with uh, in the Marvel comics. I think it was the Illuminati, like worlds, universes were colliding, and so the Illuminati made the decision to use the Infinity Gauntlet to destroy another universe, and it eventually came to the point where those worlds, like two of the worlds, combined, and that created the uh, Battle World, which is the Secret Worlds. Secret Wars takes place on. Battle World, and it yeah. turned into this alternate reality where there's a, a legion of Hulk, Hulk like creatures that are like more than just they're all like irradiated and like full. And then there's like a cop, there's a police force that's made up of different Thors, which what? is a, fa- a really cool idea. And yeah, so I uh, think they are leading to that. Yeah, I sure. think they're 100% leading to Secret Wars with They've multiple, got even Secret in, uh, Invasion coming up too as one of the shows yeah. so yeah secret invasion for that and then you also have uh spider-man no way home the whole setting. yeah they that hinted... was basically inter- introducing to the multiverse you know plus they hinted at the black suit coming back and in the comic books that's when peter parker got the black suit was during secret yeah. invasion and secret wars so yeah so uh what do you guys think you think that's that's where we're headed, or you think? Oh, that? absolutely, yeah. And Kang, Kang being in the picture too. <laughs> I have an opinion. Kang being in the picture too is a huge indicator of that. So yeah, yeah, especially with uh, t- different timelines, like uh, with what if timelines, and also uh, and that getting a season two as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also um, Loki timelines and different multiverse and everything. Yeah, absolutely. So, I um, think it's heading towards Secret Wars. It'll be good. So, so we still have a few shows that are uh, are supposed to come out this year. We have uh, She-Hulk, which is coming out next month. That's officially announced. We have the Halloween special. I think it's Werewolf by Night was what it was rumored to be, the Halloween special. Which and is the a, Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, yeah, right? We have the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which is set to come out in December. And then we have Secret Invasion next year, Ironheart, which is next year, Armor Wars, which is unannounced, and then there's supposed to be some kind of Wakanda Disney Plus series that has been announced for for Phase 4. I think they are also heading towards a Young Avengers movie, too. Um, Yeah. Because every movie's been introducing a younger version of, like, uh, the Avengers, like... Uh, a lot of the older characters are having kids or having someone that they're mentoring, and I think yeah. it's it's ultimately leading to something like that. And I, I I'm all for it. I would love yeah. to see a movie of that. Yeah. For the movie side of things, we have Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, which is supposed to come out uh, in November of this year. 
Then we have Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out next year in February, and then Guardians Volume 3 next year in May, and then the Marvels next year in July, and then Fantastic Four, which is supposed to end Phase 4. So what do you guys think we'll see? Do you you guys think we'll see some trailers or huge announcements for uh, these movies at Comic-Con this weekend? uh, Because Kevin Feige Feige is... uh, said he's bringing a lot to Comic-Con to yeah. announce this, the, oh, yeah. the future of Phase 4 and where we're headed. So We will yeah. for sure get that act, the actual Black Panther trailer. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll Dr. probably Doom get... It. Yeah, we'll yeah. probably get a lot of reveals, like the cast for, like, Fantastic Four. Yeah, that's if, I think will be a big one. If Krasinski is indeed Reed Richards in that, that will I've be heard revealed. Some, I've heard some people saying that he won't be. Yeah, I've heard a lot yeah. of rumors about recasting that one. Yeah, which I think would honestly be better, because we already saw him, and it's like, <laughs> we got the fan cast. I don't think we need to do an entire movie with him. I think I'd like fun. to see it, though. I think he's a I mean, yeah, actor, I'd love so. to see it, but I, I, I'd I'm be okay fine with somebody. I'm okay if it's not, though. Yeah, I'd be fine with somebody else. That's totally fine with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think of huge reveal. I think we'll get an announcement of the next Avengers movie. Yeah. I think we'll officially get our post end game. Which Avengers might actually be called the next Avengers because that's what like the young yeah. Avengers are called. Yeah, <laughs> so... that, would, that would definitely make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we'll we'll definitely see that. And I guarantee we'll see some tra- we'll see trailers for uh shows and uh we'll see a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I all uh, also touching on another element of Comic Con. I think we'll see some Star Wars stuff as well. Cool. I hope to see. I the, hope so. The, I hope we'll see trailers and stuff. At yeah, Star Wars. I'd like something to actually like be able to look at and actually watch as opposed yeah, to just to, ideas. I need to see a trailer for Tales of the Jedi. Like yes, I think we'll see out for that yet. For those of us, I think we'll either see what is that. Tales of the Jedi. Huh. For those of us uneducated, what is Tales of the Jedi? It's not heard like of it's a six-episode miniseries, just like short episodes of uh, Count Dooku gets three episodes, kind of just going through the course of his life and yeah, his kind of and, separation and then, from the Jedi, and then three episodes of Ahsoka Tano, and I think it is intriguing, especially because you've got two characters that left the Jedi order, but for different reasons. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of what they're playing on the duology of that. But yeah, uh, D 23 expo is also another place. We'll probably see a lot of stuff, but that's in September. So that's, that's a bit of a ways away. So wrapping up our uh, discussion about Marvel, I think we're, I think we're all a bit optimistic about, or not optimistic. I think hopeful that we're going in a strong direction. Yeah. What would you guys say? Hopeful. Hopeful. Is that, is that, yeah, that the I'd, vibe? Yeah. Yeah. I think I've, we all. I think we all have different observations for Phase Four, and different uh, hopes for the future. I think that's a safe word. I'm hopeful that you know, even though there have been more things about this phase that I've disliked compared to all the other phases, I'm hopeful that they'll keep kind of doing good things because ultimately yeah. they haven't given me a whole lot of reasons to doubt them. So. I'm gonna. I'm still. I'm still hopeful, even though I think I'm kind of the more the more pessimistic of the three of us. Yeah. So, transferring out of the uh, quote unquote nerd talk, we're gonna jump over into a bit of history talk. 
Ooh. History talk is what we're gonna. Is I have oh, what been an awful segment, Andrew. You should never host again. <laughs> this is stupid. Okay, here we go. Here we go. It's over. It's over. I'm done. Also, so, your, also, your mic's been muted for the last twenty minutes. We just didn't tell you. And how could you guys hear me? We were just answering the questions we thought you were asking. Who said I'm just that? So, I'm so predictable that you guys were just guessing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like in movies when somebody pre-makes a uh like pre-makes a, a recording or something like we're just assume that you're gonna answer all these questions so we're gonna answer them for you <laughs> i knew you'd ask that <laughs> so for those of you who know me they you know me as i am fascinated with i wouldn't say as with the emu war Heck a, yeah. <laughs> a unofficial official war fought in the australian outback during uh, post uh, World War Two, uh, wait, a uh, post World War One in uh, 1932, it was uh, it was a war fought between the Australian government and the a wild pack of emus, and so we all, we also briefly talked up touched on a weird war back in I think it was episode two when we talked or was it episode two or three when we talked two. about the. We talked about the Toledo, Ohio. Oh, that was the uh, Toledo War. Two. Yeah, the Toledo yeah. Strip. Yeah, yeah. We talked about the Toledo Strip. So yeah, so we're going to talk about some weird wars, and I have a fun article from the Medium.com where we talk about some weird wars. Ooh. And so weird wars are just unusual conflicts throughout history that are not really based on anything super serious or super well there's some stuff that are super serious mm-hmm. and some stuff that are have some repercussions but there's also some stuff that like the emu war that is a uh a bit silly and just a entertaining bit to talk about <laughs> it's entertaining to talk about now probably not so much at the uh at the time of the uh the the these people of these people's lives probably wasn't too entertaining when the emus were literally trapping them against cliff sides and stuff. Yes. That, that probably so, wasn't that probably wasn't too fun. <laughs> so in the article we have our first war, which is the football war, also known as the football. soccer war, or, or, or soccer war, or Gosh, the 100 hours war. Wrong football occurred in 1969 between El Salvador and Honduras. What did they uh, do? Put soccer balls in cannons <laughs> and shoot them at people? <laughs> well. Tensions were already high between the two when a riot broke out during the 1970 FIFA World Cup qualifier. This proved to be the tipping point that stained, strained relations between the two countries trap, snapped. On July, 14th, July, on July 14th, 1969, El Salvador attacked Honduras. Hostilities became to an end six days later on July 20th. Uh, despite the name, the war wasn't anything about football matches. Tension had been growing between these two countries. For most of the six, 1960s, these matches, the matches were a coincidence. The conflict was brief but brutal. 900 Salvadorans and 25 and 2200, over 2200 Honduras lay dead, mostly civilians. Oh my god! Additionally, 300,000 Sal- Salvadorans were displaced, forcibly exiled from Honduras. Their ho- homeland, El Salvador, refused them entry. Their refusal caused mounting civil unrest with El Salvador. Nearly a decade later, it came the, Calvin, the catalyst of the Salvadoran, Salvadoran Civil War. So, Jeez. like we said, not entirely funny or ridiculous, but that's 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 a uh, <laughs> that's a dark one. On In conclusion, our, uh, soccer fans are crazy. They are. Yeah, so- like you- soccer is. 
the fan oh, base excuse is, me that was great lord. The, <laughs> good um, lord Dawson. I, I was wondering how many episodes it like it garlic would, too i was wondering how many episodes it would take for dawson to just rip a burp on them on the mic i knew it would happen eventually Sick. most of the time i mute myself but this time i couldn't get to the mic in time yeah yeah sure that's gross oh, i've definitely like burped <laughs> like five times like just this podcast alone that doesn't surprise <laughs> me one bit so moving on to our next war which is rather silly is the emu war Heck yeah. with it's australia's war against the emus in uh 1932 after the first world war the australian government granted farmland to discharge vet veterans of the war considerably the land was also the main route for migrating emus with one <laughs> With the onset of the Great Depression, these farmers were already in a desperate situation when a large migratory flock of emus took up residence on their farms, devastating their crops. Farmers petitioned the government for assistance on October 30, 1932, and the Royal Australian Army was deployed to eliminate the emu menace. The emu forces consisted of approximately 20,000 emus, <laughs> while the army unit deployed consisted of Major J.P.W. Meredith and the 7th heavy battery of the Royal Australian Artillery. Sergeant S. McCurry, McMurray and and Gunner J. O'Halloran. The army was equipped with two machine guns and a, a 10,000 rounds of ammunition. The campaign began on November 2nd, 1932 and lasted through the 8th of November, 1932. After six days of combat, the Royal Australian Army was recalled from the field, defeated, defeated by the emus. The first, they found shooting at emus with machine guns far more difficult than imagined. The Australians fired 2,500 rounds of the ammunition, killing only between 50 and 500 emus. Oh my gosh! So less than successful on That's deterring like nothing. threat. Nothing. I mean, and, I, I guarantee you, they weren't expecting the emus to like fire back with AK-47s. Yeah, so. it was crazy at the time. An unforeseen twist. <laughs> yeah. They actually With invented the, the AK-47 at the time. They grew was... human arms and and Turns out decided emu... to like punch people in the face too. Ugh. Turns out the emus know siege tactics, which was not prepared the Australian. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I will say I have done a lot more research into this. Is that uh, the first attempt? They were they had mounted the machine gun on a truck, and they were driving through the herds, and they were trying to take pot shots at the emus and shoot them down that way. But the ground, the ground was so uneven that it made shooting them almost impossible. And so huh. following yeah, that, difficult. they spent the next few days herding the emus to a specific gorge where they were supposed to run through this valley area, this gorge area, and they were supposed to be uh, boxed in, and they were going to pick them off from an uh, elevated bridge position. And so they started firing, but... Their guns jammed. Both oh. guns jammed, and it made them impossible to uh, to, to to stop to stop the menace, oh the emu gosh. menace. And so that's what that's what eventually ended the uh, the conflict. So, and another more depressing part was that the farmers continued to ask for help for the next eight years up until 1940, <laughs> when the government and the government actively refused. To send them help. Oh my Refused gosh. to send them assistance after <laughs> being humiliated the first time. Oh, that is hilarious. But, I didn't realize that happened afterwards. Gosh. <laughs> but in 1940, they uh, initiated a... I may be wrong on this. Please don't correct me. I'm not a historian. I'm just a enthusiast. Uh, 
that they initiated a bounty system for emus that every for every emu you killed and brought into the government they gave you a certain amount of money for that sounds like something that's that sounds like something that's accurate i'm just gonna yeah my opinion out there that sounds right so that is the emu war and to go off a little bit of tangent my dream is to make a australian comedy based on this event and have only australian actors participate and act in this movie Mm -hmm. we're talking uh chris hamsworth we're talking um other australian actors hugh Hugh jackman Jackman. we're talking nicole kidman we're talking uh other australian actors (laughs) (laughs) i mean we're talking liam hemsworth (laughs) yeah all the hemsworth get all the hemsworth in here get all of them that i want them all awesome that is my my absolute dream is to is to May have either just like tell somebody about it and have them make it or write it myself and have it made like that is the dream is to have this historical comedy based on this ridiculous event so uh continuing on in the article we have our old favorite the michigan ohio war mm-hmm. in the early days of the united states as the country had accumulated a massive amount of territory as settlers moved westward, these territories began to transition into states, which would then be admitted into the Union. However, this process was not without friction. As a result of surveying errors, border disputes became sometimes arose between some of the newly admitted states and their adjoining territory, territorial neighbors. A significant dispute occurred between the state of Ohio and the Michigan Territory in 1835. This disputed area was a commercially valuable strip of land along their shared border called the Toledo, Toledo Strip. By 31st of March, 1835, the governor of Michigan, Stephen T. Mason, and the governor of Ohio, Robert Lucas, had dispatched their militia to Toledo. At this point, President Andrew Jackson made an unsuccessful attempt to intervene on the, in the dispute. On the 26th of April, 1835, a small skirmish occurred when Ohio set surveyors to work in the disputed Toledo Strip, and Michigan militia opened fire. No casualties were sustained, and this was called the Battle of Phillips Corner. In mm. August 1835, President Jackson removed Mason as governor of Michigan. However, this was unpopular with the people of Michigan, and they quickly elected Mason back into office. So, win for uh, Governor Mason. <laughs> President Jackson <laughs> attempted to compromise by making an offer on June 15, 1836, to sign a bill making Michigan a state if Michigan seceded the Toledo Strip to Ohio. Michigan rejected this offer, choosing instead to remain on a war footing with Ohio. This became the status quo until the conflict was resolved on the 14th of December, 1836. Michigan became a state on the 26th of January the following year, minus the Toledo Strip. Michigan was compensated with the, with its portion of the northern peninsula taken from the Wisconsin Territory. This Take made that, Wisconsin, Wisconsin the, the unwitting loser in the battle between Michigan and Ohio. As luck would have it, the governor of Ohio, Robert Lucas, again faced the same situation in 1839 as the governor of Iowa became embroiled in another border dispute, this time with Missouri, in an instant called the Honey War. So that just goes to show that Ohio is the creator of its own problems. (laughs) It's not Michigan's fault. It's not our fault. It's all Ohio. (laughs) They make their own issues. They bring up their own problems. They're the agitator. It's not us, because they had the same issue with (laughs) Iowa and Missouri. (laughs) Or, no, this time with Missouri. 
they argue with Ohio, Iowa over the state of Missouri. So you know, I didn't realize that uh, Michigan got the Upper Peninsula because of that. I mean, if yeah. that's the case, I'll take it. You know, yeah. Like, we basically stole a we a got large, a more a land for that. <laughs> a significant portion of land from uh, even though we lost, we won. It was like it's like it's like when you're fighting with your siblings. I think we all have three siblings, so we know this. Uh, so it's when we're fighting with the siblings, and, another, and and two siblings are fighting, and then a third sibling loses, and they weren't even part of the fight. Yep. Like <laughs> that's what happens. It's like you somehow lose, and you weren't even part of the fight. Like you weren't even involved, just because you were there and you exist, that you uh, <laughs> you lose. So the next war would be the Gombe Chimpanzee War. Hmm. This is a very this one fascinated me when I first read it. Is the Gombe Chimpanzee War was waged by chimpanzees. It began in 1974 and lasted until 1978. Dr. Jane Goodall witnessed the war, but the scientific community was skeptical of her observations. Goodall was the vindicated when further research confirmed her initial observations that chimpanzees naturally do conduct war. What? Goodall became the de facto war correspondent for this four-year conflict. It began when a rift bec- occurred between the males of the Kasakela community and a number of them split <laughs> off to form the Kahama community. After splitting to se- into separate communities, the conflict began on the 7th of January, 1974. First blood was drawn when the, K- the Kasakela K- males isolated and killed a male <laughs> of the Kahama community. Goodall reported that after the kill, this, the successful K- Kasakela males celebrated hooting and beating the ground with sticks. The four-year huh. war devastated the Kahama community. It ended when the Kahama community ceased to exist. Oh their my territory gosh. had been taken over by the Kasakela. Unfortunately for the Kasakela, their newly expanded territory adjoined the territory of the Kalalande community. Please forgive my butchering of these names. First it was spelling, now it's pronunciation. It's like it's I like it's like every talk. it's like every time the name came up, you would say it differently. <laughs> He's like Casablanca, Casablanca, Casablanca. The Kala and they were superior to the Casacella <laughs> in numbers and strength. After a series of border skirmishes, sounds like Ka- Andrew's reading the Old Testament right now. Exactly. <laughs> the Casacella were forced to give up most of the territory to the Kala and they, and the Casacella met their. M- again, met their resistance on the northern end of the territory against the Matumba foragers. Eventually, the Kazakela ceased attempts to expand their territory, and peace was restored to the territory, the area. So that probably had to be incredibly fascinating to watch. Oh, I especially, bet. Yeah. Especially for somebody of Jane Goodall's status as a... as I think she's like one of, if not the lead expert. I think she's dead now. Uh, the lead expert in the field of uh, primate studies. And that probably had to be probably disheartening for somebody who cared so much about primates in the first place. Yeah. Probably also incredible to watch. I remember very distinctly a event occurring in my childhood. And my brother will attest to this. I don't know if my sister will, but my brother will attest to this. And maybe my parents that there was a war between flies and ants on my back porch what in like 2010 or 2011 around that time there was a war a 
colony of ants had burrowed underneath our porch. And I think my dad sprayed something that killed a bunch of ants. And so the flies came in to eat the ants because flies are gross foragers and they eat dead bugs. <laughs> and so the fly, so the ants came in to, I believe, retrieve their fallen comrades, but the flies were eating there. And so the war broke up that there were like maybe about 100 ants on our back porch and maybe like 20 to 30 flies. And it was literally like the flies would drop down to, uh, to pick up or to get, the, to get at the, uh, the dead ants, and the ants would suddenly swarm over the flies and start, like, attacking it with, like, their pinchers and stuff. And it was, it was pretty incredible to watch, what? I will say. I think it lasted for about an hour and a half, maybe. And it was pretty incredible to watch, I will say. What? I, I'm not lying. I, I am 100% honest that that's that a, happened. That's insanity. I have never it heard of was. anything like that before. It was quite. It was quite the uh, the interesting, interesting forget, event in my childhood, and it has stuck with me the for Emu years. War. Make that movie. I know. <laughs> that's basically like Bugs Life, isn't it? War between <laughs> yeah, the grasshoppers like, and the ants. Ant bully, maybe they got a exactly shrunk bully. down kid human on their side. There you go. There ant you bully. Go, talk yeah. about a talk about a weird movie. Ant I, bully. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that one is. He, like, gets ant superpowers <laughs> after what? being shrunk down. Like, the ant be- creates some sort of voodoo magic and shrink the boy. And he has to live with the ants because he melted ant colony. Super weird. And also ants. There's only one good ant bug-related movie, and that's Bugs Life. Ants is, like, an existential weird crisis. Yeah, don't like the movie Ants. I forgot about that one. That came out the same time as... Uh, Bugs, Bugs Life. Life, yeah. And the main character is voiced by Woody Allen, who is oh like, my gosh, when you think kids, you think kids movies, you think, you automatically think, ah, oh, Woody Allen, a kids movie, a kids movie actor, perfect. <laughs> it's like, no. Also, Sylvester Stallone is in that movie. Oh my gosh, he's also. Oh in that movie. yeah, what? what in the world? He plays man? the big bug. So the big bug. <laughs> I expect I, nothing less from him. <laughs> Hold on. I want to see who else are in that movie. Dawson, yeah, your uh, uh, your mic is like buzzing when you talk, Andrew. I don't know if you're hearing that too. But... I am hearing that. I didn't know if it was just on my end. Yeah, I don't know if you want to maybe unplug and plug back in or something. Hmm. I think I know what it's from. All right. Oh, you uh, sound better now. <laughs> yeah, you do sound better. You sounded okay for a second. And I it's because. It but oh, it's back. Yeah, it's because I'm downloading uh, the photos for our upcoming interview so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'll do it i assume or i guess it's it's getting in the way of the quality of my mic i but. mean it's not unbearable but it's kind of like it's there it's very present at least but like we can still yeah. understand what you're saying at least just don't talk as much <laughs> <laughs> but they have danny glover and also gene hackman from the superhero superman movies and also oh jennifer gosh. lopez ew ew I, I don't, I don't like, like her, her. Yeah, okay, I didn't know this was there was so much hate for Jennifer Lopez on this. She's podcast. not a good actress. I don't like she her. She's good. She's good in some stuff. I don't like I, her because she was a judge on World of Dance and she was horrible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had, I'm, I, you know, I've come to realize over the course of just even just recording this podcast, I have very out of left field reasoning for a lot of my oh. opinions. 
You definitely do. <laughs> like we like we were I was listening to the episode where I was going through the made up minor league teams and the story behind how I came up with the Reno aftershock because my dad was in Vegas and felt an earthquake aftershock. And Andrew's like, uh. how did you even like think of that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just how my brain works, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. So our, uh, one of the pastry war, our second to last war, pastry war, boy. the pastry war. Is the uh, Mexico underwent a period of international interna- internal chaos after winning its independence from Spain in 1821. The dispute over the way the country should be governed served to fuel the turbulent and sometimes violent political arena. This internal mm-hmm. chaos took a turn for the worse in 1828 during the fighting in Mexico City. Several shops were ransacked and looted. This included a shop owned by pastry chef by a pastry chef known as Major Remontel. Remontel attempted to collect a compensation from the Mexican government. He requested 60,000 pesos. However, the shop was estimated being worth only 1,000 pesos. Hmm. The Mexican government laughed at such a ridiculous sum and denied Remontel's request. Remontel, a French citizen, next turned to his government to help. The word of, the word of Remontel's plight reached the ears of King Louis-Philippe. Louis, Louis These are a lot of names that I cannot pronounce. <laughs> I'm not good like, with... I love history. I don't love speaking history. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with English names and sometimes uh, other names, but not. So far, I'm bad at French names. I'm bad at African names. I'm bad at Spanish names. You're I'm bad not at, good. You're bad at Febreze. Hey, that was spelling. <laughs> I can say the word Febreze. Don't ask me. <laughs> this is my episode. I'm not bringing up stuff that happened in the past. <laughs> Like I was saying, placing an arbitrary amount for the paying, placing an arbitrary amount. Oh my goodness, this is not helping my case. <laughs> for the damage incurred by the shops and adding in its debts owed to France by Mexico, Luis Philippe demanded six hundred thousand pesos from the Mexican government. The Mexican government refused this demand, calling the amount outrageous and ridiculous. Hmm. Things escalated quickly after that. In, 19, in 1838, Louis Philippe dispatched a French fleet to Mexico to collect what was owed by force. Upon arriving in Mexico, the French fleet promptly initiated a blockade of the port of Veracruz. This followed by an invasion of Veracruz by when the Mexicans decided to declare war on French. Unable to dislodge the French bridgehead and suffering catastrophic economic damage mexico sued for peace using the british as mediators in the early 1839 the issue was settled mexico agreed to pay the sum to france and returned to veracruz to mexico returned veracruz to mexico and lifting the blockade all because a man wanted reparations for his pastry shop (laughs) so yeah i like a lot of these events are just basically small events that lead to bit pretty significant consequences. Oh yeah, the, absolutely. Uh, especially yeah, the fly the, one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like how uh oh gosh. Which world war was it when the worst assassin ever tried to assassinate that one leader and kept failing and then finally pulled it off, but like Oh yeah. You know the, that story? Uh, he 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 
that was the that was Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. In the, in the first world, he was successful at assassinating. It was escaping that he sucked at. If I remember he, correctly, didn't he have like two or three chances to kill him, like straight shots or whatever, and he like couldn't bring himself to do it, so he eventually just left, and then he went to like a coffee shop or something, and then Ferdinand like pulled up right outside, and he's like, "Well, I got to do it now." So then he. Sh- and then yeah he tried to escape couldn't and i think he also had like a cyanide pill he tried to take and he like failed at that too or something like he didn't have enough of it he shot the archduke he tried to escape was cornered jumped off a bridge shattered both his legs and then (laughs) attempted to take a cyanide pill which had expired And so he was unaccessible and taking his own life. I will never be as bad at my job as him. So I can I can live peacefully now. (laughs) You ever think you're terrible at your job? Just remember, he was was good at one aspect of it at least. (laughs) (laughs) So all right, this one is not part of the article, but it is what's kind of generated my entire interest into the uh, into the uh, idea of where world (laughs) world weird wars. Uh, is the uh, the four pests campaign, which included which uh, which was executed by the uh, the Chinese government in the nineteen uh, fifties? Oh yeah, during the uh, the communist revolution. Communist revolution, uh, and this is the war against sparrows, the bird war, as it's kind of mm-hmm. known. Why are there so is many wars against animals? <laughs> because animals suck, uh, and it was suspected it, sparrows were suspected of consuming approximately four kilograms of grain per sparrow per year. Sparrow nests were destroyed, eggs were broken, and chicks were killed. Millions of Aww. people what organized kind of into groups. What talking about? Bird chicks. <laughs> not, hot, not hot ladies. <laughs> uh, into groups and hit noisy pots and pans to prevent sparrows from resting in a nest, nest which the goal of causing them to drop dead from exhaustion. In addition, oh these tactics... Gosh. These tactics, citizens also simply shot the birds down from the sky. The campaign depleted the population of sparrows, pushing it to near extinction. Some of the sparrows were found found a refuge in the extra extraterritorial premises of various diplomatic missions in China. The personnel of the Polish embassy in Beijing denied the Chinese requests of entering the premise of the embassy to scare away sparrows were hiding there as a result of the embassy were surrounded by people with drums. After two days of constant drumming, the Poles allowed the shovels to clear the embassy of dead sparrows. Oh my so, gosh. Jeez. Uh, uh, by night, the effects of this war are by, were, uh, by 1960, Chinese leaders changed their opinion in part to the, due to the influence of ornithologists. I'm not going to pronounce that name. not even going to try. <laughs> who pointed out the sparrows were a large num- ate a large number of insects as well as grains. While the campaign meant to increase yields, concurrent droughts and floods, as well as the lacking of sparrows' population, decreased rice yields. In the same month, Mao Zedong ordered the campaign against sparrows to end. The sparrows were replaced with bed bugs to exterminate the sp- were replaced with bed bugs as an extermination of the sparrows had upset the ecological balance which subsequently resulted in a surging of locusts and insect populations that destroyed crops due to a lack of natural predators. Uh. With no sparrows to eat them, locust populations ballooned, swarming the country and compounding the ecological problems already caused by the Great Leap Forward, including widespread deforestation and misuse of poisons and pesticides. 
ecological imbalance and credited the, in, the exacerbating of the Great Chinese Famine. The Chinese government eventually reported the importing, reported, resorted to importing 250,000 sparrows from the Soviet Union to re- replenish their population. So, yeah. <laughs> Breaking news, declaring war on animals doesn't tend to work out. <laughs> no do kidding. not do it. Uh, this is kind of uh, off, kind of a tangent, but uh, <laughs> the this kind of showed up when I was looking at the article, the uh, the Wikipedia article for the war on, for the four pest campaign. Was the tax on trees was a tax imposed what? by the owners of fruit trees in the USSR by Joseph Stalin's government in 1944. The tax made it expensive to have trees on a farm and had the unintended consequences of causing mass felling that... of trees by Soviet farmers. The subsequently led to a shortage of fruit. The idea proposed by Minister Arzeny Zdev... No, I'm going to try. And Stalin <laughs> failed to foresee the problems it would produce. The tax was repealed in 1954 by Grigory Malenkov when taxes were reduced by 60% per, by sixty percent for farmers. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that in a, a Tim Hawkins song, Who Can Tax the Trees? The oh, that's the can. government. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a. I don't know if that's specifically referencing that event, but that is a line in the. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! In the government, in the government can a parody man, parody of the Candyman can song. <laughs> but yeah, those are some weird wars. That's weird awesome. wars. I love history. I love history as well. I don't. I wouldn't say I. In I like research it as much as you do or whatever, but I love hearing stories about just weird things or crazy things that have happened in history history is fun kids it actually learning about history hearing about history it's fun Mm -hmm. there was a there was a book i recently listened to called how to fight presidents and it's exactly what you think it's a each chapter goes through i think the first i want to say well, I'm not going to say how many because I don't know the exact number, but I think it's all the way up until, like, Ronald Reagan, maybe? Or George Bush? I think those are those are the ones, and it's how to fight them, and it goes to their history and their weaknesses, and if they were to return to the gra- return from the grave, it's how do you fight the presidents is exactly what the what, book is called. Wasn't and, one of them a boxer at one point? I yeah. Like uh, <laughs> I, think the, I think that was... Um, Teddy Roosevelt, and I think the suggestion for that was run or try to make a truce. Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt would <laughs> easily be the hardest president to beat yeah. because he's he's a crazy dude, he's the coolest president in my in my book. But yeah, uh, him <laughs> and Abe Lincoln, they're both super cool. Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt, who had a who had his great white fleet, who basically just sailed it around the uh, Gulf of Mexico and around Spanish country. We're like, hey, don't mess with us. Yeah, the dude. We got, we got, know, these, all these, got the all these teddy, cool ships. The teddy bear is named after Teddy Roosevelt, you know? Yeah, out of a bear that so, he shot and kept exactly. in the Oval Office. <laughs> it's crazy. So, so, yeah, I history is fun, kids. Look yeah. into history. You'll find a lot of cool events, a lot of cool stuff. There's the one of my favorite, not really talked about a lot, is the, uh, is the Jewish uh, revenge group called Nakam. And they basically hunted down. This is not as cheerful as the uh, as what we were talking about before, but uh, they hunted down uh, SS officers 
after the after the war and did a lot of really cool interesting stuff to get revenge for Jewish people after the Holocaust. So, yeah, learn history, look into it. It's fun, it's cool, it's entertaining. You'll have a lot of fun. Trust me. You know the it's one not about, just about um, You know that one about the the group of guys who hunted falcons in World War Two. You know that one? I have an idea. There was uh, so carrier pigeons were still used back in the World Wars, which I think is really cool. And that yeah, the yeah. the movie The Lost Battalion, one of the better movies I've seen. It's a great World War One movie. Um, there's a pigeon who I believe was shot, but still delivered the message that ended up saving an entire battalion of troopers. But um, so in World War Two, they were still being used. So. Nazis decided to like use falcons to hunt the pigeons that were being used as carrier pigeons to basically disrupt communication. So then the alternative was that I don't remember. I think it was it was either Britain or Ireland. One of those two made a whole had like the Falcon Destruction Unit or something, and it was just a group of guys who were tasked with one mission, and that was to shoot down any falcons they saw in case they were aligned with the Nazis. Wow. Yeah. I so like while all of World War Two is going on, there's just this there's just this crack team of like six guys waddling around <laughs> shooting down falcons that they see because they might be affiliated with the Axis powers. They must have That's at the time crazy. of their life. Dude. That remind me of a of a movie that came out years and years ago, two thousand five, called Valiant, which is about carrier pigeons in I think World War Two. Mm-hmm. Oh, wasn't that an animated movie? <laughs> Yeah, and it has you McGregor. Watched that. Yeah, oh. it's a, it's a Disney movie, and it has you McGregor. It's available now on Disney Plus. So, cool. go watch it if you want. Yeah, it's I do cool. believe I've watched it. I I think I remember liking it too. Yeah, it was pretty entertaining from what I remember. But on that note, I think it's time for us to <laughs> close out this <laughs> wacky and wild episode. And so, thanks for thanks for thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for listening. It's always a pleasure to make these, and we'll keep making them as long as you keep li- listening. Absolutely. And, so, uh, and Andrew and Matt will continue to have nightmares. <laughs> we'll continue to have <laughs> stressful dreams about this podcast, and it's a lot of fun hanging out with you dudes, with my bros. But, um, but yeah, make sure to follow us on, uh, on Instagram or at the Nothing But Nonsense podcast on Instagram. And uh, make sure to... Subscribe to us on your podcaster of choice. We're pretty much everywhere now, so mm-hmm. listen to us everywhere, anywhere you can. And uh, make sure to leave us a review. Reviews always help us out, and they're fun to read. So thanks so much, and uh, uh, we'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. See ya. Later, y'all. Glad you decided to host this week, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, after <laughs> the uh, after last week. Yeah, I, I was able to overcome my my anger. So yeah, <laughs> well, this was a test. We'll see how it goes from here. So yes, we will. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.